the T-bills are short-term government investments. So the government funds itself by selling T-bills for like 30 days. Yep. That's what the government does. And then the, and we're talking about the U.S. government, and then the, the people who will buy them, uh, you know, the, it's just this, a place to store large amounts of cash for a, a short period of time, right? Yep. For like 15 days. So yep. you have Coca-Cola, they get a huge sale. They, you know, somebody wires in, you know, $60 million to Coke's, you know, checking account what do they do well they have to put the money someplace because they need to put it safe place so many people are freaking out right now people who have money and don't have money for the people who do have money don like saying well if you're freaking out about it just buy a t-bill yeah five percent five percent hey if five percent is gonna like if you feel better if you can sleep better at night being just in something that's close to cash and yep. get five percent for it like not the worst thing in the world it, not- you might miss out on some great returns elsewhere but if you can sleep good at night, it's not like it's going to ruin your life. Exactly. And that's what he's saying here. And that's why he's saying buy a T-bill, which I think just you could put a period after that and say that's a good strategy and chill. Layer by layer, day by day, the world, our markets, and your life unfolds. Welcome to the Laminate Money Podcast, a show dedicated to exploring our world, the financial markets, and scaling your financial life. Tom Statham, Jacob Radke, Dan Schuster, and Noah Jezdal work for Fiel Capital, and all opinions expressed by Tom, Jacob, Dan, Noah, or any podcast guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Fiel Capital. Hey, what is going on, everybody? This is episode 49 of the Laminate Money Podcast. Almost 52, Jacob. We, I think we'd be over 52 if we would have kept on it. Yes, we had a massive work project yep. from February to the end of the month. That took a long time, so that's why you missed us the last few weeks. But we're going to get our momentum back. Yeah, and only three episodes away before we have the one year. Uh, the big one year. The big one year. It's been a ride. It's been a ride. It has been, it's been a, a lot to talk about. <laughs> we, we started this podcast, like fun fact, like during the lows of the S&P. Yes, like, we did. The actual lows. Yep. Yeah. It was on Jacob's uh, personal goal at for Q4. Was it Q4? Uh, maybe was Q3. It Q3 no, I think it was yeah. Q3 of 2022 yep. to get this off the ground. I was like, hey, this is a team effort here at Fiel. Yep. So it's I like got to do my week, part. First week of October, we recorded the first one, I think. So Dude, it's good. Look at us, man. Boom. Look at us. Has it been a success? I would say yes and no. Um, I would say it certainly we are, makes us better speakers, communicators, writers, like yes. being able to project your ideas out in words, even if it's not always the best, it certainly helps. Yes. And these things are for, for those of you who are interested and hopefully our viewership isn't like dropping like a cliff right now. So hang with us people. Um, but it's really, I mean, these things take like years to get good at. Oh yeah. I mean, no. There's guests on some podcasts that won't show up on a show. Sounds kind of weird to say that, unless you've done 100 episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. They're like, I won't show up on a show unless somebody's been doing it for 100, which 100, which most people do weekly. So mm-hmm. that could take like two, two years. years. Yeah. Two years yeah. and a month. Mm-hmm. And it's just yep. reps in the game. That's all this is. So I love doing podcasts. So I think they're super fun. Yeah. Give it another, give it another 52 episodes and we'll be just golden. We'll just be golden. So the, the one big uh, takeaway here we want for you guys is there's a ton of stuff going on. Like oh this gosh, is getting yeah. to be a really, uh, I would say, complicated time. Uh, we just had, obviously, over the weekend, the, the issues in Israel. Our hearts go out to all, everyone out there. Horrible news, honestly. And that's, 
just another thing to add to investors just mindsets and there's just a lot going on so we're going to walk through the biggest stories of last week just to figure out you know what to do yeah these complicated times as we head into the end of the year yeah. <laughs> End of year positioning is, yes. I think is a little bit different this year than, than I, I, so I was at, uh, that first trust event last Thursday. Okay. And how was that? I didn't ask you how it went. It was good. It was good. It was interesting. They kind of, they did a similar bit that they did last year, mm-hmm. but I mean, things don't dramatically change year over year. So, I mean, like, I think they, they kind of held the same message, but okay. one thing that their chief economist, Brian Westbury did say, he was like, in all of my years of economic forecasting, it's never been harder than this year. Oh gosh. And I was like, and you've said it, but I'm like, okay, I know I've heard it several times, but it's still like, is it, is it really? And then you hear like these guys that are like big time chief economists and they say it and it just even cements it further. Yes. Yeah. It's really, really hard. It is, it is hard and it's hard to know what to do, right? So most of these people, most of our audience obviously are going to be retail investors. Some, you know, some, I would say most people are here are are interested in this stuff. Um, I got to give the shout out to, uh, this is a gunlock who is, he could be the, the, the bond, the new bond King, right? I'm not sure if he still is. He took over Bill Gross, which I think we were talking about Bill Gross last week, actually. Yeah. So this was to me, the headline of last week, it's time to buy a T-bill and chill. And obviously, <laughs> as you see our thumbnail with T-Bill and Chill, this is his positioning. Like, f- for an institutional investor like him, who has a monster bond portfolio that he manages for, for investors, um, his, like, he's just taking, like, a very hands-off approach. Yeah. And saying, you know what? Just buy a T-Bill, get the 5%, and, and run. Because one of the changes, actually, from last week or, or from Friday till now, so it's Monday when we're recording this, is the jobs report. Yeah. Which came in hot. <laughs> we shouldn't even be saying that anymore. It came in normal. It came, or it just yes, normal. It came in normal. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Pretty much is, that's been the same thing for the last 18 months. Yes. Okay. So this is actually, oh, let's, let's dive into this for a second. So the jobs report on Friday was normal. So this is just one of those mind bending things where it, the economy's good. Like the economy is good, but the market was not happy about that. You had people instantly coming online and saying, this is not good. And the reason so, the reason being is the Fed has to, they have to maintain their interest rate policy for longer, right? So again, you could go back a year from now and what we were thinking and what we were talking about is how do we how do we understand what the Fed's going to do? Obviously, it's guessing, right? And that's what everyone yeah. was doing, yep. themselves included. And we had the data this past Friday about how they're just going to have to maintain their interest rate policy for longer. So you had the mortgage rates last week cr- climb up to almost 8%. Gosh. that wild? Yeah, good luck. Uh, 8%. It's, that's really hard to swing. I tell you, I was, I was being asked if, uh, you know, if, if housing prices were going to go down. And I just don't see it happening like at all because i feel like someone who has a three percent mortgage is going to sell every single thing inside of their home before they sell their home and get rid of that 2.8 percent mortgage yeah it's it's a nuanced question so i actually watched a video over the weekend on this because i i've been i've been really fascinated on this this topic i don't know why but it's become a little bit of a passion project of mine just to like follow particularly the airbnb market 
That's so interesting. I I, I love it too. It is is for, for some reason it's interesting. So what we're seeing is in the Southwest and in the Southeast, there's been um, multi-year highs in price cuts. Mm -hmm. So Zillow was reporting just data like macro data. So in the Phoenix Metro, there's X percent price cuts in the Las Vegas, in the Sarasota, Florida. The, the, the percentage of homes having price cuts. We're definitely seeing price cuts there yeah. in, in some of these markets. Now you go up to the Northeast, for example, or even in uh, you know, some of the larger Midwest metros, there's not as many price cuts. Mm-hmm. So it is like a weird home. So the, one of the other things is one in 10 uh, home sellers are selling because they have to go back to the office. Mm. So I think the thing to remember with housing is yes, you are correct, but also like life happens. You get a promotion, yep. you know, you get, you want to be closer to family. Things happen where people just have to have to sell. Right. Yeah. Um, and then to layer on top of this too, there, the, the Airbnb market has certainly, you know, caused some, some dislocation in the the real estate market. And that's going to be largely a, major metros, but anyways. Yeah. Credit to our friends at Animal Spirits. So I, I had this uh, post because I had heard it on their show because they were out, they always talk about how interest rates should be affecting housing prices. Yeah. And then I think it was like two shows ago, something like that. They were talking about how it's actually unemployment that drives home prices. Interest rates have no effect on the price of a house. Mm-hmm. It's actually okay. whether or not people have a job. And I just was like, that makes a lot of sense because if you lose your job, all of a sudden you can't pay your mortgage and you are either forced to move, go to rent, whatever you have to do. Yeah. Right. Um, And then you look today and you say in Phoenix, in San Francisco, in Austin, Texas, where the home prices are falling, the tech sector is the companies who laid off employees. The big driver. That's where those people like are. That's where the tech companies are. It's Texas, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Phoenix. Um, and that's where the home prices are falling. And I was like, wow, I just, it's so, it's so interesting how that kind of like works. And then mm-hmm. you come up to the Midwest and there's not really people being laid off. There's, I mean, in North Dakota, I think it's 2.7% yeah. unemployment or yeah. something highly, highly low. And to the home prices are just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting. It is. I'd say that's right. The, the thing too is, is markets can just, you know, markets can stay solvent longer than you. Oh yeah. And that's, what's tricky about this is people are like frustrated. They're like, Oh, the home price, there's two sales, right? There's like, Oh, the homes are like are way overvalued. Like how can a 1500 square foot home cost $2 million in San Francisco? There's like, it should be worth a million. And then there's people on the other side, they're like, it's never going down. And like both could be right. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, with that, the, uh, uh, we'll have to edit this one out. I don't, I don't have anything <laughs> to say after that. But there's just two, there's, there's, uh, there's two, two sides of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, it could just be and, straight zeros and, and the markets could, could be, people could be saying, oh, the market's going to go up. Yeah. And people could be saying the market's going down. It could just go zero for the next five years. Yeah. Honestly. Like, yeah. And then both of them are caught there with the carry and opportunity cost of not being other places for that exactly. entire time. Okay. Exactly. T-bill, and, T-bill and chill. We never even talked oh, like, dang it. Okay. okay. All right. First off, in 30 oh, seconds, like 30 seconds elevator pitch on what the heck a T-bill is, because yeah. I feel like a lot of people maybe know, but maybe don't know. So the T-bills are short-term government investments. So the government funds itself by selling T-bills for like 30 days. Yep. And people, so so that's what the government does. And then the, and we're talking about the U.S. government, and then the, the people who will buy them 
uh, you know, the, it's just a, a place to store large amounts of cash for for a, a short period of time, right? Yep. For like 15 days. So yep. you have Coca-Cola, they get a huge sale. They, you know, somebody wires in, you know, $60 million to Coke's, you know, checking account. What do they do? Well, they have to put the money someplace because they need it. They need to put it safe place, right? And liquid yep. to make payroll for the following week, whatever. Yep. That's what T-bills are used for. That's what T-bills are used for. basically cash, but with a 15-day maturity. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of it. So what, what um, Gonlock's saying here. So um, Gonlock, as a manager, he's, he's like a do-anything bond manager. Mm. So his strategy, he's always played ar- along the, re- the yield curve. The reason that it's important to know that is when you're hiring people to manage money for you, whether that's Vanguard, BlackRock, or somebody at DoubleLine, you need to understand how they invest money. And mm-hmm. Gonlock has made a name for himself and become, I don't know if he's a billionaire, but he's probably a hundred millionaire doing, you know, generating far more returns for investors, for his clients, right? Right. So he's been a do anything guy and made a career out of it. Incredibly successful. He's just saying, buy T-bill and chill. So many people are freaking out right now. People who have money and don't have money. For the people who do have money, Gonlock's saying, well, if you're freaking out about it, just buy a T-bill. Yeah, 5%. 5%. Hey, if 5% is going to like, if you feel better, if you can sleep better at night being just in something that's close to cash and yep. get 5% for it, like not the worst thing in the world. It, not, you might miss out on some great returns elsewhere, but if you can sleep good at night, it's not like it's going to ruin your life. Exactly. And that's what he's saying here. And that's why he's saying buy a T-bill, which I think just you could put a period after that and say that's a good strategy and chill. Like that's the ultimate get out of jail free card here. Mm-hmm. with cash or investments just in general is yep. just to shorten duration, meaning like shorten how far- Interest rate risk. Yep, interest rate risk, how far yep. you're investing out. And, you know, just just take it, you know, just chill out. Now, what's difficult about this, you know, where, where pundits would come back and say, well, that's not necessarily a viable strategy is some of the, just the the politics that are happening yeah. in our country where the, the you know, people are, in the moment right now, and rightfully so, you know, upset about what's going on and the fact that the government almost shut down again, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I was, I was like, really everyone like in the, in, in all, let's just get on this. Yeah. I was like in everything that's going on right now, like this is what's happening. So that would be the, the pushback against him. But by and large, I think I thought I just laughed when I saw I mean, that. But even from that standpoint, like, let's just say you'd be subject to much more risk if you were trying to hold 10-year government bonds totally. versus 15-day T-bills, right? Like if the government shuts down a month from now, your T-bill matured 15 days earlier. Yeah. You, you're subject to less risk anyway. So you still have some of that chill factor of like, well, even if the government shuts down, I might, I, my T-bill is still going to mature before that happens. Yes. So what everyone's trying to figure out as well, and this is you know why bond yields have gone up so much lately, is people thought that you needed to go long. Yeah. And that's $30 billion worth of people. Yeah. That's how much float into TLT. Yep. And so TLT is long-term bonds. So everyone knows that like at some point it's going to be really smart to just go from T-bills to 10-year and the the Fed will at some point drop interest rates, right? Like that's the trade. Yeah. And I think what people are questioning now and what people have actually done with their money is they've said- you know, we're actually, we think the government's going to be in a tougher spot. The economy's going to be slower for longer, I guess, even though the economy's good. But they're pricing, people are trying to price in a recession. So they're making a market timing bet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so um, 
again, Gunlock here is probably good advice. Although when you look at the 80s, if we were to take a TV bill and chill, like you would have missed out on some of the best yep. treasuries rates. Yeah. Well, actually, no, the best treasury rates. I can kind of get in the mindset of those people too back in the 80s because like, do you imagine rates go from 7% to 14% in a month and you just lost out if you were on a 30 year, like yeah. at 30%. Yeah. Right. I can see how people would want to try to avoid that. And the lines for T-bills and, and CDs were like, out the door because there wasn't that much, there's no interest rate risk or very mm -hmm. little, very, very little interest rate risk associated to it. Like I can see why people were like, okay, just, I'll just take my T-bill. I don't want to play around in yeah. the 30 year treasury market because it's just scary. Yeah. And I think it's even more scary today than it was in 1980 because 0% rates to 5% rates is a lot different than 7% rates to 14% rates. Yes. And I almost feel like the the, the long-term treasury or the long bond market has been a more of a trade rather than like a strategy since 0% yeah. rates. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people just don't know, right? Yeah. Like I've been yeah. doing this for 10 days or <laughs> 10 days. <laughs> I hope not. 10 years. Uh, yeah, almost 11 years now. You just, there's no, like I've never done this before. And yeah. there's just a lot of in, investors, institutional investors managing, you know, billions of dollars that just straight up haven't, seen haven't seen yeah haven't seen this so um here's an interesting got a little bit of a segue so mfs just a asset management companies had a huge banner ad right now on barons so um oh come on come back to me uh-oh so <laughs> this is interesting so uh, one of the questions that they're asking on this ad is what's on the horizon for the economy oh boy so that's, that's a good question right yeah and it says get the latest that's the call to action so I think this ad is interesting because that's what everyone's saying. And in the, the picture they're using on this ad is rows of tulips in some field in Holland, right? Like, I don't know exactly where it is. Yeah. But so question for you off the cuff, what do you think they're trying to say? Like, what does that communicate about what people are thinking right now about the economy? And then why do you think they use tulips? Tulips are like, I would say they're a sign of hope, right? Well, they're also the, the, they, they're like synonymous with speculation. That is true. Cause in the, in the 1690s or whatever, yeah. the tulip, yep. tulip bubble. Tulip craze. Uh, yeah, that, that was, that's a whole interesting, crazy part of history in and of itself. They're basically implying that there's a bubble yeah. right now in and the economy. I think that there's some truth to that. Now see the, the economy, like I think AI probably only take, makes up at this point, like 2% of the U S economy, a tiny, it's not a, a lot. Like if that's the bubble we're in, like it, will, will we take a hit economically? Sure. If all of a sudden it popped and crashed away, that would, that wouldn't feel great. You'd see a recession dot, 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 right. The rest of the economy seems just fine. Now I do think that we probably are in some sort of a bubble. The thing to remember is like this bubble, I mean, bubble can resolve itself. Totally. Like, Totally. What's interesting this time is like NVIDIA, like for the outrageous expectations it has set for itself and investors have set for it, it has actually exceeded those. Like it's backed up by actual revenue. 100%. And so like say what you will, but like the bubble is being backed up by reality right now. Yeah. And so there might like that just opens the door for another year of bubbling even like before there's even some real speculation. I don't, I just don't fundamentally don't agree with this ad. Like, I don't know why they would say, I don't know why they would use that picture of the marketers here 
Yeah. Um, because they like fear. I th- fear yeah. sells everything. To if me, you can scare people, you can get their business. Yeah. That's, that's like what this is, is picking on people's like fear and uncertainty about mm-hmm. the economy. Yeah. And again, like it's worth saying the government, the economy and the markets can all be doing different things at the same time. Right. Yep. Like the, yep. the government can be shutting down while the economy's adding jobs while the market's selling off. And there's really any, any, like any, uh, you can put any, like you can switch, switch it up and you can have like nine different outcomes. Right. Yep. And I think what's on the horizon for the economy is and what the interest rates, what everyone's saying is that it's going to slow down. Oh, so yeah. that's probably true. Right. Like we're probably going to see a slowdown, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for investments. Yeah, like it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's doomsday. It doesn't mean it's doomsday. It doesn't mean that the world's going to end. It certainly feels like that. And, you know, when I see these, like, ads, I'm like, this is, it's just, it confuses people. Like, it kind of confused you when you had, when I asked you that question. Yeah. Like, Wait a second, what? Like, why, why would they put that, that combination? And what they're trying to say is like, well, MFS is the, yeah, is this, the solution. It's the solution. It's the yeah. silver lining. Um. But I think it's fair to say that, you know, the economy, like the, the, the yield curve is uninverting. Mm-hmm. So like the yield curve in the wrong way, but in, yeah, in the wrong way, the yield curve is saying, uh, like long-term growth is going to be slower mm-hmm. and like that means something, right. But that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean doomsday. Right. And mm-hmm. Gunlock saying, well, everyone just take a second and just chill out. Yep. And just, if you're yep. really freaked out buy a T-bill now, like this month, September was horrible. You look at a chart, you look at a one-year return of September and it's like, yep. You want to know what's interesting? I saw this on LinkedIn actually from 2020, 2021, 2022. So those three years and take this as it is, cause that's three out of the last, you know, 10,000. Okay. Um, yep. But those three years, September was a bad month every single year including 2023. Yeah. But Q4 still pumped out like a, on average 7% return or something. Santa Claus rallies. And so I was like, Santa okay, Claus rallies. September has been bad for the last three years is bad this year, but it's recovered the last three years. Question mark on whether it'll do it this year or not. You know, there's a lot like it's always, it's never different. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's always a little bit different. History rhymes with itself. Yeah. And so there's always the open door to not having the same thing, but Exactly. Yeah. Like now would be a good time to buy stocks, right? right. It, like it after, would look, look more attractive at least. After right? like a 10% drawdown. It's like, that's usually, and that's what some people are saying. They're like, just buy the dip. Yep. That's, I mean, that's what the whole strategy was from 2010 to 2019. Yeah. Every single chance you got to have a 5%, you know, there's 5% that you could pick up on and get, you know, catch yourself up from two months ago. Great. Just buy the dip. Buy the dip. Right. Buy the dip. It was last year was sell the rip. Yeah. Yeah. That was, but that was the first bear market since, yeah. uh, well, first bear market. I mean, first, like what really felt like a bear market since 2008, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yep. Yeah. 2018, we had a bad December. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID was horrible, but then it turned out, you know, everyone, the market healed still had like a 30% annual a year. It was, yeah, it was 20, year. Yeah. yeah. It was 2020 was, was, or I think it was 20, 21%. Um, mm-hmm. but the, yeah, the crash only lasted Two four, months. It was four months. No, the crash. No, the crash. The crash was. Uh, it was. I mean, it was only like four or five weeks. Mm, the market yeah. bottomed. Yeah. And then it it got back to so one month down, and we were back by August mm-hmm. in 2020. So 
All right. So buying and selling, walk us through this LinkedIn post that you, uh, oh yeah, that you had, because go. I thought it was really good. So here's what I wrote. Here's the breakdown. Okay. Investors know to buy good investors, know what to buy. Great investors know when and what to buy. Legends know when to sell. This to me is just, um, ah, uh, I, I like this post as well. I'm going to read it one more time. Here's a breakdown. Okay. Investors know when to buy, or excuse me, investors. Okay. Investors know what, know to buy. Good investors know what to buy. Great investors know when and what to buy. Legends know when to sell. So what I wanted to say here was, first of all, that there's a time to, time to sell. Like mm-hmm. I have told, I've talked to so many particular on, particular entrepreneurs as well as clients, right? But that there's a time to sell. Oh yeah. Like first we're beat into our heads, like save, 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 invest, invest, buy, 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 buy. Mm-hmm. Like that is totally true. Yep. You look at uh, Citadel Investments. Uh, this is one of the, I don't know if it's Citadel Investments. Citadel, Citadel Securities. Citadel Securities. Yeah, whatever the name. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, we'll just call it Citadel. Yeah. Their returns last year were just phenomenal. 50%. Yeah. Everyone yeah. was just getting crushed and they had a banner year. I think they're and on the other side of the trade 20% of the time. Is this statistic? Gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. So um, Ken Griffin is one of the best investors ever. And it's just phenomenal when you think about like how good these people are. They are legends because they know when to sell. Yep. Like straight up. Yep. That's it. I mean, in 2020, he sold all the long, went short and boom, made out. That's how he got his 50%. Yeah. Like there, there's a time, like, like they're, they're ahead of human nature. Yep. And then when everyone's afraid, like they're, they're typically buying. Mm -hmm. And so legends know when to sell. So like, Let's just be honest here. Most of us are not going to be, become legends. Yeah. And, and you don't need to be Ken Griffin, right? And it, like Ken Griffin can be Ken Griffin and there's really not going to be a lot more Ken Griffins. Yeah. Good is like good enough. Right. Yep. And so that, that's like, know what to buy. And that's where like, there's been about 1600 people have seen this post and which isn't like a huge amount of people, but most of those people are just going to be good. So they need to know what to buy. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just, walk people through this because at some point you just, you should sell. Yeah. And how we get around that here, just as we allocate capital is rebalancing. And that's mm-hmm. probably like the easiest way to hold yourself accountable is to just a few times a year, whatever, it, however it works for you. Yeah. A few times a year. And this is what we do. Yep. Just sell what's up and buy what's down. Right. Yeah. A different, a different, uh, word for rebalance or a different phrase is sell high, buy low mm-hmm. is basically what it is. Every, yeah. you know, three times a year, four times a year, you could do it once a year, whatever. Yep. Um, I re- I don't recommend daily. Um, no, I, I saw some, much. I saw some stats on that, that that does not actually do anything for you, but, uh, whatever it is, um, yeah, you're basically just selling high, buying low. Yeah. And who doesn't want to do that? And who doesn't want it? Because again, most of us aren't, aren't going to be legends. Yep. Like there are, I was watching an interview. This was kind of bad because this gentleman was, uh, he got, he got total. I mean, he, he, he got canned for, uh, insider trading. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Raj. His name is Raj. I can't pronounce his last name. Um, and he was one of the, uh, th- this would, this was a couple of years ago when, when the regulators just cracked down hard. Mm. on insider trading like martha stewart got canned yeah or she got she got she got hit she got hit um 
SAC uh, Stevie Cohen, he almost got hit. Well, he did get hit. He didn't get in bars, but he had to pay a billion dollar fine plus fine. Uh, this guy was anyways. So, so this gentleman, um, he was saying that they were spending $30 million a year on research. Oh my gosh. It's just crazy. Like there are people and there, there's a building. Um, I, you know, one of the most valuable piece of real estate on planet earth is it's in downtown. Uh, no, it is, it is. Yeah. It's actually in downtown Manhattan. So this would be, you know, yep. where wall street is. Yep. And there's a building there that hosts a bunch of servers and it's some of the most expensive real estate in all of the world yeah. because of the proximity to the exchange. To the exchange. Yeah. And re- like, you know, investors are willing to spend an enormous amount of money to just be a microsecond faster yep. because there's money to make. And what I'm saying is like, we're not going to be those people. Right. <laughs> like we're not going to just have, we're not going to have some sort of edge, but the edge that we can have to become great is just discipline mm-hmm. and just like simple rebalancing. It's so simple. Well, it sounds stupid. Look at it this way. Warren Buffett does not care about his proximity to the exchange. No, honestly, definitely doesn't. Warren Buffett doesn't care about that. It works for, it works for Ken Griffin. Yep. That's his business, right? That's his strategy. That's his business. That's what he's trying to do. Warren Buffett has a completely different business, completely different strategy. And it's worked for him too, right? There's no one size fits all strategy. Exactly. So this mindset is like good enough. Like it's okay to be good enough with money. You don't need to strive for greatness. Yep. You don't need to strive to become a legend, but if you want to, be, if you want to get really good, like really, really good, you definitely need to know when to sell. Yep. Like that's, straight up. That's the biggest part. Yep. So, um, I want to talk about another investor here, uh, Bill Ackman. Hedge funds, baby. Hedge funds. Yeah. Yep. So he runs, uh, Pershing Square. Yep. And he made news this past week about how he wanted to take X. Twitter. <laughs> which is <laughs> Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Public. And he would be interested in owning it. And I wanted to, he's got a very interesting investing philosophy. He's been incredibly successful. He's been wrong a lot, but on average, he's been like far more right than he is wrong, but he does have, uh, he's got, he's got a lot of at bats, right? Yep. Yep. And I thought this was interesting. Like why, you know, Bill Ackman would be interested in Twitter and there's been a lot of headlines about how, you know, the bankers who underwrote the deal might have to take a loss on it. Like, you know, mm. Twitter's financials are horrible. Yep. And it's probably true. But then like, you know, Bill Ackman's coming out there and I'm like, why would he, of all people, why would he be interested in a business that is like floundering? Right. Like what's like what's in it for him? Like why would he like why does he want this? So apart from like the I think the values, you know, he he values Bill Ackman values what Twitter is, which is, you know, basically anybody can say anything. Yeah. Have you seen what Bill Ackman posts on Twitter? I do not. Oh my gosh. He posts like, he posts books on Twitter. Yeah. It's so, it's so long. I know he uses it all the time. Yeah. So he loves the platform, right? Like he has an affinity personally for the platform. But um, what I thought was interesting is you don't oftentimes have somebody at his level express interest in an asset. Mm-hmm. Like if you talk to Warren Buffett, like he's not out there talking about a specific asset. He's talking about, you know, themes, and a strategy, macro, strategy. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of these people aren't like explicitly saying, here's what I want to buy. And 
So this to me was like, oh, this is interesting. Like this is an inside view into a billionaire's mind. And here's my, here's my, uh, some of my key takeaways on why he would be interested in this. All right. First of all, it's unique. Yep. There's nothing like Twitter. So in all of the world, as these billionaires look for things, they're very interested in trophy assets, Mm -hmm. meaning the best hotel in a given metro. Yep. The best manufacturing capabilities. Like they're looking for rarity. Uniqueness. And uniqueness. Yeah. And to me, when Bill was talking about this, it was like, this is unique. There's nothing Mm -hmm. like it. Right. People at this level are interested in value. Yeah. They're interested in getting a deal on something, right? Like you and me, we get like, oh, sweet. We got a deal on, you know, a new pair of jeans or shoes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like, you know, we're like pretty much normal people. Um, You know, people at this level, they're like, oh, sweet. I can, you know, get a $40 billion company at 10 billion. Like that's a value to me. Like I should, I should buy it. Should get into that. So they're looking for value. And I think Bill Ackman was like, he understands that this is a unique and rare asset. He understands that there's nothing like it and there's a lot of potential and it's at a good price. Yep. Right. And then um, Ackman's a value investor, meaning like he likes to buy, he likes to put rarity and growth potential. Like he likes to pair those together. And to me, this is like the ultimate, this is the, like, this is like the ultimate investment for him. So the takeaways for us normal people are, I was like, okay, like, what am I focusing on that's unique? What can I make unique? What can I buy that's uniquely valuable? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, what's something that's available that is at a bargain price that can, you know, grow really fast for us and our clients, obviously, right? Right. Well, dang. Uh, a good question to ask, I guess. Yeah. I don't have, we don't have an answer, of course. But, yeah. Uh, especially it wouldn't be explicitly on this podcast, but um, yeah, no, I actually, I actually really agree with that too. Um, Like the rarity, I didn't think of the rarity component of it, but I was like, yeah, no, I mean, meta tried to do threads and it's just not the same, like it's straight just up, not just the not the same. Yeah. Yep. And it will never be the same because Twitter's just is Twitter. Right. Or I guess I should say X is X. Yeah. X. Um, <laughs> and then X that, and the other thing is like from Ackman's perspective, he's going to look at this thing and he's going to say it was once a $40 billion company. It's now 10, right? That's the value, the value component of it. Like, Oh, Hey, I see that this is, you know, a fourth of what it was two years ago. Right. Perfect. That's great. Step number one is complete. Now it's like, well, what is the trajectory for this company or what could the trajectory what be? could it be? Right? Oh, well, all they have to do is get all the advertisers back and it's worth 40 billion again or maybe worth 40 billion again. Okay, great. Now what about if we just acquired a bunch more uh, advertisers and it's worth 80 billion? Yeah. Right? If it's worth 80 billion 10 years down the line, you know, that's, I think that's probably even what's going through his head. And if he could own a big chunk of it in the public markets, it's great because then he has the liquidity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So of the one to sell, right? We've got like two, we've got two perspectives here. We have the like gun lock saying buy a T-bill, which is like the ultimate get out of jail free card. It's like, ah, whatever, like get 5%. And then you have Ackman who's, you know, trying to gun down billion dollar plus returns. Like, I mean, seriously, like if he invests, like he needs to be able to make a billion dollars, like, Mm -hmm. you know, cause where he's at the AUM he's managing just his personal wealth. Like he just, he needs to swing big and hit big. 
Right. And yeah, he if he just had T bills, like whatever. Actually, I'm sure he has plenty he, of T bills. But he, de- he definitely, yeah, definitely does. But if that's all he did, it would just be like nobody would care about him, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like again, what's fascinating here is like we've got two sides of the aisle. We have, you know, the the really rich guy, you know, hugely influential investor saying like just you're freaked out, just chill out, just chill out, buy yeah. T bill. On the other end, we've got another you know, billionaire who's, who's saying, Hey, there's this really cool asset out there. I'd really like to own it. Alon, do you want to, you know, do you want to do a deal together? Yeah, Yeah. let's, let's, let's do this. And, you know, swinging for the fences. So, um, to me again, this just models, uh, you know, what legend, legendary investors do, right? We just said, you know, legends known to sell and, um, you know, Bill Ackman is out here trying to, you know, hustle a deal, you know, for, for the only platform in the world that Mm -hmm. is what it is. X, yep. Twitter. Yep. And then the other side, you're like, well, just this other, this other gentleman saying, well, just you're freaked out, sell it all and buy a T-bill. You'll be fine. Yeah. Well, maybe. Uh, yeah. Yep. You know what, what I mean? What he's saying. Yep. So, uh, there's a lot of complexity in there. There's a lot of like, well, wait a second. These people are saying like different things. Yeah. But therein lies the challenge, right? That is, that is 100% the challenge because should you be all gun ho on T-bills? No, probably not. Should probably you not. be all gun ho on Twitter? No, probably not. Probably not. There's probably a combination out there yeah. that makes the most sense. Yeah, and that's where we get to like rebalancing. Like rebalancing inherently is like you own some stocks, you own some bonds, you own some real estate. Like whatever it is, just don't get too over your skis at any one thing. And that's how like us regular people, yep. you know, get ahead. Yep. Cause it's not it, like leverage buyout, like an LBO on, on X, which is what Ackman's yeah. trying to do. Right. And it's not just like, you know, randomly liquidating your entire portfolio and buying T-bills because that's not very, that's like that, like that's not good for normal people. That would be really scary. That'd be way scarier than anything that could come up out anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So the emotion of that. The emotion. Yeah. Yep. So all things to say, an interesting week in the world, right? Like you have all this just crap going on. Thankfully, the government's open. You know, the markets are open. Um, you know, there's some bad news coming out again uh, in the Middle East. We have earnings seasons coming up, uh, you know, going to be kicked off by the money center banks. Uh, that's going to happen like now. And, uh, and we're heading to the end of the year. So mm-hmm. fascinating times um, to everyone out there. You know, stay tuned next week. We don't even know what we're going to be talking about next week. <laughs> Nope. I made like, this, I made these show notes this morning. So. Yeah. Cause like who knew that, you know, gun, Gunlock was going to come, come out just like buy T bill and chill. Just a great headline, honestly. Yeah. And then Ackman, like there's so many things happening right now. So stay nimble, everyone out there. Uh, if you have any questions, let us know. Uh, Jacob, do you have any final parting words, any parting wisdom for us? I have no parting wisdom. The comments are back on. So oh, yeah. not back on. They are on. They are so on. Yeah. you can leave a comment if you're on YouTube. Or if you're listening on Spotify, head over to YouTube yeah, and leave a content, comment. You can also find our email in the, in the show notes. Like if you want to shoot us a message, if you have something specific we want, you want us to talk about, uh, shoot us an email or a comment, uh, LinkedIn DM, whatever you want. We're here and, and you know, we'll, we'll do our best to, to incorporate what you guys want to know about. We do this for you. Yeah. We do this for you all. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next week on episode 50. It's going to be a big one. Boom. All righty. Take it, take it easy, everyone.